Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 298, and I had a conversation with Patrick Dalton. I had a blast. It was a lot of fun. This is an episode that definitely has some not safe for work stuff talked about. It's toward the end of the episode, and in fact, Patrick gives a little heads up and says, hey, I don't know if your audience wants to hear this, but and then goes on to tell a story. Uh, that is the part where it's a little not safe for work. So you're welcome to fast forward uh, along if <laughs> things uh, of that nature, sexual nature, will either offend you or whomever might be in the room or your boss or, you know, kids. Um, yeah. We referenced Turhan a bunch in this episode. If you want to learn more about Turhan, check out episode 289. And I also, for those of you who know about Eleanor Owen, she was on episode 156 talking about her nearly a century of life. She just passed away at 101 years old and just wanted to let those of you know who listened to her episode and, you know, wow, what a life, 101, amazing. It's just amazing. All right, so back to Patrick. Patrick has been lots of things. So he played football. He threw javelin. He did rock climbing. He was great at uh, athletics. He raced motocross professionally. He boxed professionally. Uh, And he doesn't talk about this on the episode, but he even danced ballet for a short time. And I could kick myself for not asking about that. Uh, But to be honest, we were talking about so many different things, I completely forgot that he had mentioned that he had danced ballet. He's a renowned visual artist. He is a cannabis entrepreneur. He is a psychic medium, meaning, yes, he sees dead people. And he used to build and design large custom homes in New Mexico and won several prestigious Parade of Homes awards for the ones that he built. Uh... Yeah, we had quite the conversation. It was all over the place and a lot of fun. I think you will enjoy this episode. It is, <laughs> it's really something edible. Okay, the usual stuff, social media, Hey Human Podcast can be found on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to find my personal social media, Susan Ruthism, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. That is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. I would love to hear from you, and I do my best to answer as as fast as I can. Um, I've been having some really delightful email conversations with listeners lately, uh, talking about poetry and books and all sorts of fun things. So keep them coming. I really enjoy it. And sometimes I get bogged down with my other work, but... Uh, as soon as I can get to it, I, I do, and I really enjoy it. So keep sending those letters. Uh, on heyhumanpodcast.com, you will find a links page. Every episode has its own links pile on the links page for every guest because I want to make sure that you have uh, resources so that the stuff we talk about on the show you can find in one stop shop and do your deep diving. So definitely check that out. There is the storefront on heyhumanpodcast.com where you can get merchandise of Hey Human Podcasts like hats and shirts and pen cases and book bags, that kind of thing. So go check that out if you want to rep Hey Human. 
and get the word out that way. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Super duper helpful. Uh, The reviewing and, and the rating and all that stuff is really helpful. But of course, subscribing is also helpful. If you want to check out more about what I do other than the podcast, go to SusanRuth.com. All sorts of information on there, people interviewing me on there. Uh, there was just an article in Inside Wink. I've posted that up there. It's a great article. Thank you, Inside Wink. I really appreciate it. And yeah, so you can check out all sorts of stuff, my music, my art, all that fun thing, and uh, sign up for the mailing list as well on SusanRuth.com. If you're into music, check out my albums on iTunes or, gosh, wherever you get your music. Uh, The most recent album (laughs) wasn't even that recent, 2014. It's called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. And I promise new music is coming. It's just slow going. Uh, And it'll, it'll happen eventually. And I'm excited. Five songs. We've already started recording. But, you know, you have to take it little by little and uh, get it done so okay i think that's about it oh if you would like to donate to hey human and show your support that way you can go to the contribute tab on heyhumanpodcast.com everything helps if it's a dollar awesome this is an ad-free podcast and your support helps keep it going so thank you for that but mostly really just thank you for listening and getting the word out telling your friends and family and stuff I really appreciate it. And I mean, this is a labor of love to be true. I can't believe it's almost 300 episodes. It's going to be six years in July. It's just, it's wild and wonderful. And that's because you keep listening and I appreciate it. Okay, let's get into the episode. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Be well. Be kind. Take care of each other. Okay, here we go. Being a dad. Holy cow. Yeah, well, it's an important job, especially <laughs> to a girl. Yeah, I've been her dad forever, basically. Yeah, my dad's been mine forever, too. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, no, you know what I'm saying. I've raised her on my own. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me when you're ready, what you want to do. I'm ready when you are. Are you ready? I'm, yeah, man, I'm always ready. Do you prefer Pat or Patrick? <laughs> It doesn't matter. Okay. I prefer women. Women is cool to call me Patrick, but when guys say it, it just doesn't land right. Okay. Well, Patrick <clears throat> Dalton, welcome to Hey Human. Thank you. Thanks That's for a, having me on. I appreciate it. It's a very Irish name you've got going on. <laughs> well, I'll make it worse for you. John Patrick Dalton. Nice. Yeah, that's even more Irish. It's, it's yeah, Well, I'm from a bunch of Irish knuckleheads, you know? Yeah. If you had one more name in there, that'd be really Irish. Like, yeah, I just need like a Sean. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in Ireland, John and Sean are basically the same thing. So, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. That's nice. They really like the name. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I love it. We have a couple of of mutual friends. We have Chris. She told me about you. Very sweet. We've, I just found out that Turhan and you are, are good friends. So, he's a maniac. That's why I look like this. He's got me all involved in NFTs. I swear, it's this is his fault. Like I look like this because of him. He's got me. I, I've been up for like days. I'm making NFTs just because he's got me all excited about it. Did you have a full head of hair and then he plucked it all out? I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a hair like the '80s rock band until yeah, I you were Fabio about ten yeah, hours oh, ago. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, my hair made Fabio's look bad. <laughs> 
That's great. All right. Well, let's get into the beginning of you. Let's talk about where you were from and uh, where you were brought up, that kind of thing. You know, I grew up in a little house, maybe, oh man, four of us in maybe a thousand square foot. Um, It was in a little steel town called Waukegan, Illinois, north of Chicago. And um, it was a very humble beginnings. You know, we were just four of us in this little tiny house with one bathroom and little tiny kitchen. And, you know, it was, it was home. And I had these wonderful friends, you know, the, the Midwest, well, everywhere's great, but you know, when you're from somewhere, you think it's better than everywhere else. And I, we lived in this Midwestern kind of utopia where all my friends, we played outside until the lights went off and mm-hmm. it was great. It was somewhere between the suburbs and the cornfields. So, you know, we got a little of both. It was perfect. You started you started out in athletics. You got ouched by a javelin. Oh, no, I got a javelin right through my leg in high school. It was my junior year. It was two weeks before the state track meet. I was living in New Mexico at the time. And so I, here's the way the javelin story started. I was a pretty good pitcher and I broke my hand in football and I couldn't control the baseball because my hand never kind of mended the same way as the old days. You know, they just snap it into place and send you home. Um, so, you know, that was kind of how the javelin started. It was because I couldn't control a baseball. So my friend was like, come and throw a javelin. I'm like, what is a javelin? And I found out. And so for some reason, I have this ability to throw a spear a very long way. And so it was two weeks before the state meet and we were all warming up and it kind of worked its way through a crowd. I don't know how. And it ended up going right through my leg, just under my knee through the back part of my leg. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it hurt. Yeah, it hurt really bad too. And so nobody knew what to do. I'm I'm laying there screaming and it was a bunch of idiots from high school. You know, it was me and my other schools. We were all friends. Finally, somebody's dad comes out with a, uh, he went to his truck and got a hacksaw. So, you know, the javelins are like seven feet long. So he hacksawed the javelin and they took me to the hospital and everyone's laughing because you could see right through my leg. I can't, but they didn't leave it in and just cut off the ends. Yeah, they had to cut because, well, they didn't know if they pulled it out, if it would bleed. I mean, they're having this debate while I'm laying there screaming. Never pull a thing out. Never, ever. Exactly. That's the smartest thing in the world. So anyway, um, yeah, I went to the hospital and everybody's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And they just pulled it out. And that was it. And then, so I took third in state though. Two weeks later, I had my leg in a brace and everything and I could, but I could still throw pretty good. So I took third. That was kind of fun. Wow. That is crazy. Did you have any kind of out of body experience in that pain? No, but you know, here's the thing, you know, I I started boxing when I was eight, so I wasn't a stranger to pain. Right. You, You know, I played football since I was a little tiny kid. And so, you know, pain doesn't bother me. Yeah. No, I mean, it, do, yeah, it does, but it, it's not that big of a deal. Sure. Was it a close family you grew up in? Really close. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, you know, everybody seemed happy. It was contentness. There was a sense of well-being and safeness. It was really a really beautiful time. Until we moved to New Mexico <laughs> when I was 13, things started getting a little weird. Why is that? Um, my dad was a scientist and a doctor, and he decided to lose kind of his mental faculties a little bit. Kind of went off the rails when I was 13. We moved to New Mexico, uh, just outside of Albuquerque, and he never got better. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he just didn't. And so things started, it was a very tense time. And so my mom was having such a difficult time that she was working out of town five days a week. She'd come home, they'd argue for two days and she'd leave again. And there was me, my dad went, uh, he went back and taught uh, medicine at the University of New Mexico. So I basically raised myself and they would leave me checks so I could get food. And that was my teenage years. And good thing for sports or I would have been in real trouble. Did your dad have dementia then or is that what was the problem? No, you know, he had some very, he had some serious struggles early on. He, he had polio when he was a kid. And I think it really affected him in his older year when he started getting older. And, you know, I don't know what happened. It's a very, you know, but he literally did lose his mind. And it wasn't from the disease. It was just this slow progression of allowing himself to become mentally ill. Mm, interesting. Yeah. It must have been scary. Confusing. It was more confusing because, you know, you're so young, you, you still love your dad and you think everything's normal, but these things happen where you just become confused. Mm. So it wasn't scary until I got older and I started, you know, that my brain was able to process this thing that happened and you just go, oh my gosh. Did you, you quote unquote, see dead people? I always like to. Oh man, okay. uh, <laughs> I really sense. hate it. I, I really know. hate it. Yeah. So life. tell me about that. When did that start happening? All my life. Okay. You know, that, that was just, that was a thing that I've been stuck with my whole life. Um, my dad's mother, apparently, I found out later that she had that ability. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's something like in college, you know, like every now and then we get drunk and I pull it out just, just for fun, you know? And uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's been a weird, it's been, that's been a weird journey for me. Were you worried when you were seeing people i'm assuming you're seeing people that shuffled off their mortal coil i often i call it shuffling off to buffalo that uh and not are were you seeing all sorts of things or just that and because of your dad's mental decline were you concerned that perhaps there was something going on with your brain no it's it's very different you know like when when you're brought when you're born with it it's it's natural it's part of you you know you don't think it's weird or different. It's just been always a part of me. And, and, you know, people are like, well, is it there? I'm like, well, yeah. And they said, well, what's it like? I said, you know, picture yourself in the grocery store. In the grocery store, we all walk down the aisle with our carts and there are people there. You just don't really notice them that much, you know, and that's what it's like. Do you think that's people that want to bring messages across or you think they're stuck or is it just images of those who were there before? Yeah. See, I don't really ascribe to the whole stuck thing. You know, I mean, I believe we can travel back and forth, but I don't believe we get stuck. I mean, you know, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've had this kind of thought. I've, I've thought of this for a long time because I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what causes it. I have no idea. And anybody who professes to know is lying because it's a very, they, it's just, it, it is. And that's the only way I can, I'm sorry. I wish I could describe it better, but it just is. And so, um, yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. It's, it's mm-hmm. very hard to describe. I get that. And it makes no sense on your end, but makes complete um, sense on my end. Oh, does it? Thank you. Cause I thought I was just talking like a crazy person over here. Yeah. I, I okay. totally believe in stuff like this. So, okay. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. You had a terrible rock climbing accident. What happened there? 
So I was 23, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we were free climbing. And I don't know what happened, but I came off the wall and I landed with half of my shoe on a rock and the other half shoe not. And when I hit the ground, I knew something was bad. I've broken lots of bones in sports before, you know, I played college football and the whole, you break a lot of stuff, you know? And I knew right away, like before I hit the ground, something was very wrong. And I didn't know how wrong it was, but when I looked down, the bones were sticking straight out the side of my leg. And this is what I tell everybody. You're cool until you will, you hop into the hospital and your legs kind of flopping around and everybody like the professionals that work every day in the emergency room, look at it and go, Oh, like, Oh, <laughs> like what kind of reaction is that? Somebody help me. You're not supposed to look at me like that, you know? And it didn't really instill any confidence that I was going to be okay at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. That and- was a little scary. What did they, they must have had to break it back in. I don't really know what happens during compound fractures, but yeah, so, I know it's not fun. Yeah, I don't know. I was asleep. I, I can tell you that because they put me out and there was 16 screws and three steel plates Oof. and they put it back together. It works fine. Yeah. I didn't really care. It was not, a, you know, it was just, you know, you're, you're 23. What do you care? But the cool thing about that, and, and, you know, it's kind of like one door opens all that, you know, that, so I, I went home. And I, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of devastated because I'd always been super athletic and this was a bad one. Like, this was bad. Like, how do you walk after this, you know? And, you know, I was bored. I was in my house. I couldn't move my leg. I was in a lot of pain. And my sister goes, do you need anything from the store? And I said, yeah, you know what? Can you bring me some canvas? And she's like, what do you mean? I go, well, can you just get some canvas, please? Like from a store. And my mom had given me like this little six inch by four inch painting set. And I sat down and I started painting. And I'm like, this is great. I'm bored. All of a sudden I dive into this painting thing. Like I dove into, you know, like when I was in athletics, you know, like your brain's just kind of conditioned to just, oh, this is great. This is going to be so cool. And I just started painting. And I just painted literally just for the love of it. You know, I just really, really loved, you know, there's nothing more magical than watching paint go down on canvas. I know it sounds insane, but when you're standing right there and the paint moves off your brush and it goes over the canvas, there's nothing more magical than that. It it really is cool. And so I got really into it. I, I get my leg back and I go, what's the best way? A friend of mine owns a restaurant. He's like, come on up, Patty. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I went and I waited tables to just kind of get my feet back under me and like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was kind of just in this weird void where I didn't know what I was going to do. And the guy was was sitting at a table. I walk up and I go, hey, where are you guys from? He's like, well, we're from Taos. And I go, cool, man. I've never been there, but I heard there's some good art galleries there. And the guy pulls out a card and he goes, I know of one. Now, literally, I've only been painting for two months. And I go, oh, cool. And I took his card and he goes, why are you an artist? I said, no, dude, I'm a waiter. And he goes, well, do you do art? I go, I paint. He goes, well, bring me some stuff. And I said, yeah, cool, whatever. And they were really nice and they left. And then about two months later, I was like, I had all these canvases and I don't like to paint over old paintings. It's just, I don't like doing that. And once to me, a painting is done, it's useless. It's, it's garbage to me. It has no value. I want it out. So I, I grab like four canvases and I start walking to the dumpster. And I go, you know, wait a minute. 
<laughs> there might be a few bucks in this if I call that guy, right? You know, and so I call him and I go, hey man, you remember me? I was like, oh dude, what's up? How's it going? Bring me some artwork. I'm like, God, this is the nicest guy in the world. So I borrowed a friend's van. I stacked a bunch of paintings in there. I drove to Taos from Albuquerque a couple hours and I brought one painting in and he goes, dude, how many of these you got? And I said, a bunch. He goes, bring them all in. I'm like, wow, this is great. Like, this is a good experience. So I go home and I call my mom and I said, hey, I met this guy. I tell her the story. And I said, she goes, what gallery? I said, "Um, Michael McCormick gallery. And she goes, oh my God, that's like a huge gallery. And I'm like, really? So that was a Friday. The guy calls me on Monday and he says, hey man, you're going to be the happiest artist in the world. I go, why is that? And believe me, this was a long time ago. And he said, uh, he said, I sold four of your paintings for $5,000 each. And I'm like, this is a racket. I got to get in on this money. So that's I literally, I never worked another job since. Like, Holy did I? Holy shit. That's amazing. Swear to God, by a stroke of luck. And people tell me all the time, oh, blah, blah, blah. Man, there's artists way better than me that never make it. I just got lucky. I don't know. I, I looked at your work. It's quite lovely. It's oh, thank beautiful. you. Yeah. yeah. It's very that was stark. many years. What's that? It's very stark. There's, there's a heaviness in the light, the crucifix one. and Yeah, visually. Elevated. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, visually it does that. So, so I'll tell you the story behind that. Like if you look at the painting, there is a raven. And the only food within that whole area, because there's nothing there, are the scarecrow's feet. And so the scarecrow is literally crucified. And I don't know if you know anything about scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. The name, guy's name was Ray Bulger. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of ostracized from Hollywood. And, you know, he, you know, this is, I can talk about it now because it's well-known knowledge, but he was gay. And even back then people, you know, you know, as close knit as that, it just, people had problems with that. So, you know, he had a hard time in his life and, I just, you know, so what I did is if you look at the painting closely, you'll see that he's wearing women's lingerie under his overalls. And I just thought it was a nice homage to his life because he was crucified, right? And there mm-hmm. were people just taking pieces out of him like that crow would have. You know, they were just, you know, a guy should have had this huge career, but because of who he was, it probably didn't flourish like it should have. And so yeah. I wanted to tell the story through art. And that's the reason I painted it. Do you think you would have found art if, had you not fallen off of a mountain and had nothing to do with your idle time? God, that's a good question. <laughs> that was smart, man. Like, um, I don't know. I don't know. It was a troubled time for me, man. Like, I don't know where I was going. You, you know, that's that time in your 20s where, I mean, you... You don't know where your life is going. You know, you just have no clue. I can tell you this, if I didn't find it, maybe life would have been very different. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. I got lucky, man. Like, literally, I know that. Here's the thing. I believe anybody can paint. I I did that. Those, the paintings you're describing are realism. And if you paint a face a million times, you're going to get really, really good at it. And I've been really good in my life at working hard. Like, you know, sports tells you every day you take off, your competition is working. Now you're two days behind. 
you know, I've always lived like that. Like, it's like this thing, like, oh God, that guy's too, I'm not, no. So I'm always very competitive. I'll outwork anybody is, is what I feel like. So you're two days ahead. I'm always two days. I'm, I'm days ahead. <laughs> in my head, I believe that. So please don't shatter my illusions. Um, but that's what I believe in my own mind is that, you know, you know, I, I like to work hard. I really do. This is going to be a weird question perhaps, but oh, when you painted that painting of Ray Bulger, did he come and say thank you or acknowledge it or anything? You know, I, I wish I had a story that told me to, to said yes, but I don't. I didn't think about it after that. Can you bring I, I people to you like that? Yeah, you know, you can. And then sometimes people just show up. You, you mm. know what I'm saying? Like you can bring them and, you know, you talk to somebody long enough or something, or sometimes literally you could pass somebody in a, in a sidewalk and you're like, Whoa, you, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody needs to reach out to them. And then sometimes in your quiet moments, you just, somebody pops in, hmm. you, you, you know, that you wouldn't expect. And I think the weirdest one I ever have was, I don't know. I was sitting in, I was, I, I was living in New Mexico and I was sitting there late at night and I was just thinking, and all of a sudden I hear Stevie Ray Vaughan playing the guitar. And I'm like, my friend was there when he died. And I, that's my only connection. I didn't know the guy. I'd never met him. And I'm like, wow, that was weird. And he said to contact my brother. I didn't even know he had a brother. So I looked up on the internet and contacted his brother. No response, of course, because his brother's like, he's this maniac. You know, but I, he really did want to reach out to his brother for some reason. I don't know. Hmm. So that's just weird. Has it changed your attitude toward death at all? Or did because it's you started out already having this ability you, you have the same ideas about death that you always have. I see death is a weird one for me because I have a death phobia and it's only because I'm a single dad raising a daughter and she's not ready for me to go quite yet. I mean, there are days I'm sure she secretly wishes, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I just, here's the thing. I'm confident that I've seen it. I've been there. I know what it looks like. And I know what happens when we die. Um, so I have no fear of that. Like personally, I don't care. It doesn't bother me, but I just need to be here to make sure my daughter's off. That's all. Yeah. And I understand. Yeah. Other than that, here's the thing about death. People don't understand that, you know, there's, there's this thing that happens all around you and that's death. And there's people all around you that have died. And, we're able to come here and do what we please and move through places. And we're, we're able to do that. I just, you know, the other question I get is, you know, is there a Jesus? Is there a God? And I've never seen any evidence of anybody pulling the levers like the wizard of Oz, but I don't know. So I don't know. Sure. And I, I think can tell you that when you die, you're going to go to a place. Yeah. Yeah. Based yeah. on what other people have brought back information wise to you. Have you died? Okay, there we go. How'd you die? Hey, I get it. I died twice. I understand. You died twice? Mm-hmm. How? I drowned when I was three. And I drowned. I- That's how I died. Yeah. Swear to God. I believe you. How did you drown? Uh, both parents thought the other parent was watching me, and I walked into the sea when we were in Greece. And Wow. Somebody brought me back. That's what happened and- to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
No if we're related. <laughs> I think we are. This is terrifying. You know, it's weird. It's because there's a lot of similarities. I, I also had a javelin. Go- no, I'm kidding. I know. We, <laughs> we had, That's a we very a, rare incident. <laughs> yeah, super rare. We have a lot of similarities. It's interesting. Um, yeah, so, so how, you drowned. What happened? So I, I used to race professional motocross and we were, I was a little too young, you know, for, to be a pro, I was just really good. You know, I got lucky again, you know? And so my sister, you know, my parents, it's just a different time, man. You just sent your kids out and you didn't care because the world was relatively safe. So they sent me out with my sister's boyfriend and several other people. And we raced up in Michigan. It's, a, it's on the pro circuit. It's called Redbud. And if you take the highway down from Redbud, there's a river next to it. Well, we all raced all day. We were filthy and tired and hot. And it was summer. And so we pulled over, jumped in the river. And there's a dude that's like, come over and party with us. And I'm like, sweet. And I'm 16. So this is a great idea. And I start swimming across the river. And I must have been super dehydrated. Everything locked up and I couldn't move. And it was a river. So it started tumbling me. And I, I don't know, man, it was the transition was so quick that I never got afraid. I'm like, I'll get to the top. Uh, no problem. And then the next thing, you know, all the pain disappeared and I was able to see, I was super content and happy and comfortable. And I'm just tumbling down a river. And then the next thing, you know, some gigantic hairy guy was blowing in my mouth and it was really disgusting. And they said, and the, there was the, one of the ladies, there was a nurse and she said, dude, you've been dead for three minutes. I'm like, what? She goes, you haven't had a heartbeat in a long time. Are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. So yeah. So when you died in the operating table, what happened? I feel bad because the people listening have heard the story so many times. I was in the surgery. It went longer than it, than anticipated because uh, it was just, I, I went septic. And there was, I heard the beep and then I was just standing. I was just standing there. I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I wasn't go to the light Caroline. I wasn't, I was totally normal. You're just there, right? There's nothing happening. Yeah. I was just there. And, um, I could see everyone. I could hear everyone. And I knew this is the weird part, I guess that, uh, they all, we all, myself included, had agreed to that moment because somebody there, I was, I didn't know who had to, had something they were supposed to learn and that I had agreed before we ever came down into these bodies, I had agreed to that moment. And then wow. uh, as soon as they brought me back, I could get back in my body. I mean, I didn't even go. I just kind of hung yep. out. I feel like yeah, I that's... remember not feeling like I had feet. I think I do remember something like that, but I'm, that might be something I added later in life and just right. the feeling of just sort of being right being and, and knowing that that was the, the outfit that I wear and that I would put the outfit back on when they figured out whatever they'd figure out. And then I was back in my body and the uh, doctor said, Dr. Seeley said, Oh, we lost you for a second. And then the next thing I was in recovery. So. Wow. Yeah. Did, did it change the way you are, who you are, anything at all? I think I've always been weird. <laughs> I don't and, get that from me, by the way. <laughs> I've always been not the norm or whatever. I mean, I've had very strange experiences ever since I can remember. Also through grandmother's oh. line. And I brought somebody back with me that we had to kind of get rid of. They just mm. were a, an interloper or something. I don't even know what the hell the thing was. But Yeah, I was going to say you seem a little troubled by the experience. Uh, well, after the fact, I mean, coming back, it was no big deal. I was healing. 
Um, and I kept seeing something out of the corner of my eye, you know, and, uh, I think because I recognized that sensation from something that happened to me years earlier, that was attached to a house that I was in, not Mm. me, but the house that I'd moved into, Mm. that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. Um, but I kept seeing this thing and then finally it, it made itself sort of, it's so hard to explain, but more not. I, I, I know this. So go ahead. Man. Yeah. It's like, I really could see it and it didn't feel like a person like you or I, it felt like some other whatever. Right. And uh, I was like, Oh, I seem to have brought somebody back with me knowing Oops. that I had died knowing. I mean, besides the fact that I had been in under anesthesia. So I called up my friend, Colleen Marquis who's very woo-woo and into these sorts of things. I was dating a guy named Jess Geike at the time. And uh, I said, I think I brought something back. We've got to do something about this. And I was still in recovering and not in my total faculty. You know what I mean? Not feeling 100% strong, but Colleen strong. You know what I mean? Like strong person. And so she came over and she and Jess and I, I can't even explain to you what exactly happened. And also during that time, time was different. What felt like is one of the things where it felt like it was 10 minutes, but actually hours had gone by. It's really hard to explain. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And then I I felt it go away. So I don't think we would have been able to do it without Colleen. She knew what to do and what to say and all that stuff. And it makes me sound like a lunatic, but since you're also a lunatic, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, totally. but it was as real as real can be. And then it was gone. I mean, so, I, I lived in a house that was so haunted that I broke the lease to get out of it. Wow. Yeah. It did not want, it didn't scary. want me there. And it made itself very clear that it did not want me there. So I got a weird vibe, like just like when you're talking. Like, yeah. Oh, that house was yucky poo poos. Not good. Yeah. No, well, no, I don't no, know, no. man. <laughs> so it seems to me like this was like, did you, I don't know. Fourth or fifth grade, did a kid in your class die? Like, uh, so second grade, a whole family died going off of okay. the. Yeah, the, the, yeah. When you're little, that's what I picked up right away, and I'm like, yeah. maybe it was somebody from there because it almost seemed like they weren't. They I don't know. To make sure you were okay, and maybe wait, I wait, don't know. in the haunted house or in the no, in no, the in, after you passed on the operating table. Operating it table, yeah. Like- the thing I brought back wasn't a good thing. I don't think it felt really? very. It felt anonymous and not right, not of this place, and and I could tell that it could tell that I could tell that we could see each other, kind of thing. And again, I mean, this is going off into the deep end of woo-woo, but my life, I, the things I have seen and experienced, we'll have to talk. Like, Yeah, totally, man. But I just get this weird feeling like it's somebody from when you were a little kid who you knew had seen you and come back and attached themselves to you. When I was little, I grew up in a very uh, tumultuous home. My mother's mentally ill. Yeah, How are we all so goddamn damaged? So broken. My mother's <laughs> mentally ill and she was, now she's pretty well medicated, but back then she never took any of her meds, which I didn't discover until much later. And she was violent and angry and depressed and all the fun mm. things. And so when you're little like that, you know, I had nightmares all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel you're in constant PTSD mode, constant it was also developing my abilities because you have to know how people feel before they know. Right, right. That's yeah, a good it, skill to have, man. And it, you develop that when when you're in those situations, 
you develop that, you know, yeah. you really do. You hone in on those skills really well because you don't know the next crazy that's coming. So yep. you find ways to see it coming before it happens. I could feel the house change before she would even come. Like she'd be out doing whatever. Right. Right. And then like a minute before, two minutes before, I, it felt like a ripple would go through the house and I could mm-hmm. feel it. So I knew. Did she- you know that? Did you know there's a real, I can't remember the guy's name. It's on the tip of my tongue, but there are studies that dogs know their owners are on their way home. Yeah, Did I've you, seen did that. Did you read that? I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, Rupert Sheldrake. Yeah, but and dog, dogs and their things. people are so psychically bonded. That doesn't yeah. confuse me at all. Yeah, that's cool. So I don't doubt that you were able to do the same thing. Also, dogs can pick up a scent from miles away. Right. As well, though, right. so who's to say that they don't right. pick up the epithelials as they drift along the wind? Or so? I don't well, know. Well, you know, they, they've done these studies that kind of discredit a lot of the debunking. So it's kind of cool. I think this is really fascinating. And you may, I don't know if you've ever seen a guy named Dean Radin. Uh-uh. It's the Center for Noetic Sciences somewhere in the Bay Area, I believe. Yeah, if you ever have a chance, look at what they're doing. They're doing so, like, he's he's this genius scientist guy, and he's running this Center for Noetic Sciences. And I haven't looked at it in years, but it's really fascinating. Like, the studies they do are, you know, like, really good scientific studies, and, and they're really neat. I've always said I want someone to hook some electrodes up to my brain and then have me do all the weird things or see all the, yeah. you know, see what, yeah. what's going on. But yeah, so I, would like I was under so much stress as a little kid, just massive, um, that there was this creature for lack of a better word. And as I got bigger, it got bigger. And I later on as an adult, I read about these things and I wasn't certainly the only one that had one, but it was this big winged thing. And it just kept getting, it kept getting bigger and bigger as I got bigger and bigger. And it wasn't just in my head because the last time I, it, it almost ran me off the road once uh, when I was about 18 in the middle of the night, I was driving home and it ran across the freaking road. I swerved wow. to miss it. And then Jeez. the last day I ever saw it, I'm just going to be like, you're not welcome back. Um, was I was in my apartment and I'd taken a nap and I woke up and I knew it was, I knew it was there. And my cat battle cat, went whoa at it and i and i said i go get the fuck out of here you motherfucker <laughs> and takes. never come back <laughs> and it was gone and it never yeah. came back i swear to god sometimes that's all it takes like yeah, I've gone I think to it is. oh my god listen to this one so i'm i i was a home builder i built custom homes for a while right and a guy I went to high school with this guy dave calls me one day and says Cause he knew about the medium stuff. I, I ruined his Christmas party. Like people are like, Oh, talk to some pretty soon. Everybody, the whole party's crying. I literally destroyed his whole goddamn Christmas party. <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, needless to say, I never got an invite back. Oh no. Yeah, that's true. And then, so one day, um, he calls me, he goes, dude, you got to see this man. I need your help. And I'm like, where are you at? And he's like, I'm down. I, he bought this like million dollar property down by the Rio Grande river. And he's going to build his like family home there. You know, it's going to be his, big, beautiful house. So I cruise down there and I get out of the car and Dave's standing there. He's like this horrified look on his face. And there's a track where, um, heavy machinery went through, you know, like a backhoe. And, um, he goes, you got to see this man. And I'm like, all right, what? He goes, no dude, look at this. And I look down and there's a skull. And 
it is a perfect skull. The teeth were amazing. The teeth were like, I mean, celebrity teeth. It was amazing. And they were pure white. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, where, where's the rest of him? And he's like, we dug him up. And I said, he's a murderer or what? And he goes, no, dude, this is literally an Indian. Oh no. Thank you. He had two choices. He had two choices. I swear to God, this is all true. He had two choices. One is you call the eight Northern tribes in New Mexico and they argue over which tribe repates repatriates the remains or you build over it and you don't disturb it. He ch- well, cause it takes years, sometimes decades before the tribes figure out where to put the body. And he spent millions. He's got millions into this deal. So he said, fuck it. I'm just going to build over it. And he did. did he and he's not never ever had one problem. <laughs> never had one problem, but literally he, he literally built on it. And it was like the you know, the department, whatever it is, archaeology from New Mexico, uh, University of Mexico came out. They told him all this stuff. They gathered, gathered as much as they could and left. And then he built his house. And he literally is not. And he's, that's just one of the bodies. It's really cool. Did they recover all the people? Maybe since they were recovered, it was okay. No, they, you can't recover them. You just have to leave them undisturbed and build yeah. over the top of them. Cool. And that's what he did. I'd make my floor out of salt. <laughs> <laughs> and sage. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What, 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 I don't understand the sage thing. Like, like, is there a ghost on the other side? Go, shit, they're burning some weeds. Let's get out of here. You know, <laughs> come on, the sage. I don't know about that. I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, I I've, I've it. done it myself. But I Does don't know. Does it work? I, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> like, I could, like you, I can't explain any of this stuff. But, but long story longer, the thing that followed me around it didn't, the thing that I saw the core of my eye after the surgery didn't look like that, but had the vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Same feeling. The vibe. Yeah, I get it. No, I totally get it, man. Yeah. This is crazy. We've See, led I, kind of parallel lives. I feel like that because I'm also a painter that I picked up oh, just, by, nice. just by accident. I'm an abstractist, yeah. not a realist. Me too now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't like doing objective stuff at all anymore. Yeah. Wow, cool. I want to see some of your work. I never played football. I'll send you a link. Well, you're moving here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a place there and during COVID, I was there twice. And while I was there, there's no fun to be had because, you know, I'm pretty Like, I go out to a restaurant. I'm like, hey, buddy, what's up? You know, like, I think everyone's my friend. And it's cool because like half the time you end up with a table with like eight people sitting at a restaurant because everyone's just friendly and you're all having a good time. And, um, but there was no fun to be had during COVID. So I sold it and now I'm looking for another place and I don't know where to live. So I'm figuring it out. Yeah. You were talking about having the home building, mm-hmm. but then the market crashed. So mm-hmm. you've been on both sides of the, the financial spectrum. Yes. You've, you've been killing it and then getting killed. We were making many millions of dollars building large custom homes. And then one day <laughs> I was broke. Yeah. That's not a good feeling. I'll tell What's that you. like going from those heavy pendulum swings? You know, I'm pretty resilient. Like, I don't give a shit. I just get up in the morning and do my thing anyway. You know, really. I mean, money is a source of being a, to me, it's about being comfortable. You know, money makes you comfortable. When people say money doesn't make you happy, they're full of shit. Money makes you happy. I'm not, it's true. Um, 
so for me, it was a source of like, hey, man, let's go on a vacation. Let's, you know, I lived out in the desert. Let's buy a cool dune buggy or like a side by side and let's go buy motors because, you know, I used to race motocross. So I bought a motorcycle. You know? So it is a source of happiness. And um, for me, I don't know, man. It's like being being broke sucks. And I always tell people there's you, you, you have two choices. Being poor is really fucking hard and being rich is really fucking hard just choose your heart. And I know that other people have said that, but I subscribe to that, man. Like, you know, people complain all the time. Oh, I'm broken. I hate rich people. It's like, why? You love rich people, learn what they do and go get rich. I mean, really, you know, it's hard. It's not easy, but go do it. You know? So I didn't get broken. The, the woman who was the mother of my daughter did. It broke her. And I, it was very sad, but it, it, that's what happened. She couldn't take going from one extreme to the other. Well, yeah, she had everything, man. Like she was living in this beautiful custom giant house on the side of a hill that had a million dollar view and drove a brand new Mercedes every year because it was a good tax deduction. And she had a housekeeper and a nanny. I mean, she had it all. And then one day she had to work instead of play and it didn't go well with her. And, you know, the way I looked at it is we were a team. You go work, I go work, we'll get through this, and then there'll be the next. And then I set up the next, and no matter how hard I worked at the next, she just stayed broken. Mm. And that was a shame. And we haven't seen her in years. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, I'm sorry for my daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. But, you know, I mean, that just goes along with the thing, you know. That wasn't that many years ago, and... I've been very blessed financially once again. Yeah. I was, and, I was talking with somebody earlier today, just in conversation. And he was saying he's a, he's a kingmaker. You know, he's the kind of person that, that takes people, plucks them from obscurity and turns them into superstars. He really does do that. That's not hyperbole. No, I believe. And you. he said, you know, I wish I could explain to people being famous sucks it's the loneliest place in the world, but you can't convince these 17, 18, 19 year old kids that who would just have these huge dreams of all that money and all that fame and how isolating it actually is. Yes. Yeah. I've always had this idea that it would be so cool to be famous because you'd have all these friends, like everywhere you go, somebody's your friend. Hey, Pat, Hey buddy, how's it going, man? You want to join me? I'm having some dinner. You know, that wouldn't it be, I, for me, it would be that way. Like that's the fun part. You yeah, know, I, I think it's that thing of like, how do you know? You know that song, Chris, uh, Christina, Patty Griffin? It's, it's about uh, Christina Onassis. And it starts out, if you had the real thing, how would you know? You know, it's a, how do you really know who loves you for you versus who loves you for the things you can provide for them? And maybe all of life is transactional. Maybe that's yeah. true. I, I don't know. And I haven't had a lot of love in my life. So it's, to me, I don't care. You know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like, I don't I just haven't had a lot. The only person in this world who really has always loved me is my daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's all I care about. So, you know, if people said, oh yeah, you're a rich guy, you, you know, I'm going to hang out with you. I'm like, all right, as long as you're cool. Like, is you're a nice person, you know, I don't really, I don't want to judge anybody's intentions, but if you could tell if somebody goes bad on you, just get rid of them, you know? But, <laughs> yes. 
There is no expiration date. (laughs) Yeah, no, not to be. I think John has gone bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, bud. I mean, you know, you're just, but yeah, there's a lot of people who try to take advantage of stuff and you just, you know, I don't blame them. I I get it, but it doesn't bother me any. It's just like, okay, we got to find a different friend now. And go ahead, please. I was going to say, how did you, how did you manage to have a reversal of fortune yet again? Uh, I, I got into the marijuana business. So, so when, okay. So when you go broke, you get pretty creative, right? And I always looked, here's the thing. You're going to work a job anyway, work the job that makes you the most money. You know what I'm saying? You're going to put in eight or 12 or 15 hours, whatever your deal is, find the job that makes you money. Right. And so whatever that job is, go do that. Not what makes you happy? Well, you can make your own happiness. You can. If, if somebody says you're a Walmart greeter, I'm the, I'm the best Walmart greeter in the planet, dude. I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? Like, I, I'm the be- Hey, nice to see you. You know, I'm having the best time of my life. So you make your own happiness. I mean, you make your money to survive. You, you make your passion to be fulfilled. Those don't always match up, you know? Sure. I mean, you know... I, 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 I was passionate about marijuana. I believed in it a million percent as a medicine. And, and here's my thing. Let me get this out of the way. I believe marijuana is medicine, no matter how you choose to use it. Recreational marijuana is still medicine. If somebody needs to go home and get high, it's because they're a little high strung that day. It's medicine. And I would rather have them take that, which is safe and has health benefits, than some type of pharmaceutical that may have some other effects. So for me, marijuana is medicine all the way, man. And, and I love it. And I love the business. I love growing plants. I think growing, I think marijuana plants are the most communicative plant in, in history. They speak to you every single moment and you see from them what they need. And it's a, it's a cool relationship between you and a marijuana plant. It really is. And so growing is fantastic. And we do retail and people come in and I don't know, man. Like we have some really nice people that come into our shops and I love it. I do. But you know, and then again, you know, it's been seven years. I'm ready for my next. I don't even know what that is. Do you get bored with the, with your accomplishments once you hit a particular peak? Yeah. Yeah. I'm done. I've made it good. (laughs) Hey, thank you universe. Marijuana has been very good to me. That's like the, uh, the top of the mountain is the foothill of the next mountain. Yeah. And so marijuana's run its course for me and I'm thankful for it, man. I I still believe in it. I still love it. My interest lies in the next. And I just, you know, it's such a strange thing because there's so many things I want to do next. You know, what's, what's your next, you know, you got to figure that out. And I don't know what that is. I have like 20 ideas. Yeah. The podcast, the NFTs. So, yeah, if you haven't noticed, I have not have a hard time shutting up, <laughs> right? Like, I talk too much. So, maybe if I had a podcast, I could get it out of my system and my daughter wouldn't have to just, you know, go, oh, God, would he please shut up? And, and so, um, no, I like to talk. I like people. I like being around people. Like, this interaction between you is fantastic. I love this. Uh, yeah, I love it, too. Yeah. I wrote, so, I, you know, I, I wrote a few scripts. Okay. I meet this guy and I tell him the story about my daughter has the same ability as me. 
So we, I've done a couple sizzle reels for reality shows. And the last one was called Pot Psychics. And, you know, I had a contract with Blumhouse. We're a really fantastic group. You know, I don't know if you know who they are, but oh, yeah. they're, they're really nice people. And they really treated us well. And they worked really hard for us. And unfortunately, we just couldn't find a network for it. But they shot this brilliant sizzle reel. It was real cool. What a great experience. I kind of hoped the show would have made it because I thought it was cool. It's called Pot Psychics. It would have been dope, right? Like, that's cool. Um, so I've done like three of those and I've been on some shows as the medium, you know, which is kind of cool. But so I really enjoy that creativity. I really do. But I meet this dude who's like a TV producer. I meet him here in Durango, believe it or not. And he's like, oh, man, that's a really cool idea. You should script it. And I'm like, I don't know. So he's like, no, write it as a story. So I took all these crazy liberties and made it really cool. And he didn't think it was cool. So it's like, all right, well, go ah. fuck yourself. I'm going to find somebody who thinks it's cool. So that's what I'm in the process of doing now is maybe finding somebody who thinks it's cool. And okay. then I did another script about um, my industry and horror because my clients are the guys who love horror movies. So I kind of combined it all and it's a blast. It's fun. And um, so I'm doing that. And then, you know, like your friend Turhan got me like, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this creation of NFTs right now. It's really fun and it's artistic and it's cool and it, it's stimulating. I like that. And so, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll be a realtor. <laughs> I'd love to yeah, get into NFTs know. too. I get it. I don't understand it really. Turan keeps trying to explain it all to me and I just, my eyes get all googly eyed and I'm like, I don't I know. know. All I want to do is draw art and have you turn it into something. Is That's yeah. cool. You he's know? super bright. Like He's super smart. That guy. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 He's really impressive. I've learned, so, one thing I've learned is the more ADD you are, the smarter you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to do stand up too. Oh, yeah. I, that's, oh. that's on my bucket list to stand up. Yeah. I'm always writing jokes down. Um, Have you done it? I've never gotten up there. If you come to LA, we can dare each other. I've, oh, we'll I've, do done, it. I've been on stage a couple times. Oh, you it, have? Oh, my God. It's the most, it's the most, it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. It's, so, on, my, yes, it's will, on my list. I, no, I will handcuff you to my <laughs> wrist and I will just go up there and stand and you have to do your thing. I have friends who are stand-up comics here and there, you know, there's lots of open mics around town and they just keep saying, when are you going to do your do it, man. five minutes or your three minutes, which I know is an eternity. <laughs> it is, but I don't know, man. I know it's I will do fun. it. I'll do it. I, it's it's going to be something I do for sure. Just yeah, a, you have to. And and I think once you do see the first time I did all right, second time I bombed really bad and it was not the same set as the first one. And I got to be honest, like everybody's terrified of bombing to me. It was the most hilarious moment of my life to be there and having everybody look at you with these blank faces. It was hilarious. So yeah. they might not have laughed, but I gained so much from it. It was awesome. I've heard that the first time you do it, you do great. Second time you do it, you bomb. And then oh, you so that's typical. That's, I think that's a typical thing from what, I've, from what I understand from my friends that do it. Was it yeah. hard talking to your daughter about her gifts that she got from you? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. Damn, you got good questions. So... Uh, she's lived with it most of her life too. So it's not like it's this thing that got dropped on her. It's just something that's been part of her as well. Um, 
you know, when she was young, it was a little scary. So I had to tell her that this isn't scary. Everything's cool. Like, you know, they're just normal people, just like you and I. They, it's like they live in Kansas and we know they're there, but we just can't see them. Um, I think, you know, I've been to Kansas, so I, I'm pretty sure everybody there is half dead anyway. <laughs> you know, it's the craziest place. I, was, I just got back from there. Um, but yeah, you know. I, I'm just waiting for all the letters from Kansas I'm going to get now. <laughs> Oh, come on. Have some thick skin. Here's the thing. I'd move there in a second. I love it, man. It it reminds me of my home when I was a kid. My friend lives there. Rachel, Rachel Keish lives there for now. And uh, she says it's very serene because it's just chill. It's It's a chill place. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. I love Kansas. Um, But yeah, you know, here's the thing, man. My kid's super bright. Like she's smart. And she just gets it. You know, she gets the world in a way that I never did until I was much older. Mm. And, you know, to guide her through, like she, it's funny, you know, like she, I pick up on one thing and she picks up on other things. And when she was really young, I would be like, well, what do you think, baby? And she goes, I like their doggy. And I'm like, no, I'm talking to this dude. But she saw something different than I did. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like she's, it came from a child's eye. Yeah. And I never expected that. I figured if I was talking to a dude, she'd see the same guy. She doesn't. She sees what she wants to see. Isn't that cool? Or what they want her to see. That, that's right. I think you're, I meant to say that, but you are absolutely right. When you see and hear spirits, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's always human, right? It's never anything other than human. I don't, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't subscribe to anything but human and maybe because I don't give a shit and I don't care. And if there's evil, fuck off. I got shit to do. Stay away. You know, I don't care about that. So I don't focus on it. I don't even know if it exists because I don't even make it part of my thinking. I, so I wasn't I'm, necessarily I'm, talking about evil, but just other kinds of, I, I doubt humans are the only thing rocking the world and the universe. Right. I believe that. But no, I, I like these human interactions that I have. Yeah. And do they you know, say, yeah. excuse me, uh, excuse me, can I, can I ask you something? Or do they just start talking or how does that work for you? They, they just show up and they don't really. So for me, they don't need to verbalize, you know, they don't need to use their words to tell me what's going on. It's like they take a paragraph of ideas and put it in my mind. And it's for me to read the paragraph and understand it. So sometimes like if I'm doing a reading for somebody, I'm like, hold on. As I just t- talk about what you had for lunch today. And then while they're talking, and this is the weird thing for me, if they don't talk, sometimes I go blank. And if they just talk, it's almost like what, I don't know why, but people talking helps me hear. So while they're blah, blah, blah about whatever, because I can't hear them anyway, uh, I'm listening and taking in all this information. And then very seldom do I get like something very clear. Does that make sense? Like it's something like listening like, to the radio while doing your homework or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get this paragraph and I go, okay, let me start here. And I'll go, so they want you to know blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And then I get to get this whole idea out because they have this ability to take this very complex idea and turn it into this little tiny ball and stick it into your brain. Sure. It's amazing. I don't know how they do it. Anybody around now? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm not going to say. 
Really? But over, but over your right shoulder. <laughs> Nothing. It wouldn't scare me even if you did. No, I, I, I always tell people the truth. I, I, I feel a little something weird, but I could probably figure it out in a minute. If I was sitting there with you, which would be really uncomfortable because we'd be stuck in this little closet. In this and closet I'm a amongst, amongst my t-shirts. You're a germaphobe? Yeah, totally, dude. I, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Do you have OCD or? No. It's just, just, so my dad was a doctor. This fucking idiot would bring home this, his homework and he would pace the floor talking about microorganisms and shit oh, when I was like seven. And so like, as a kid, I'm like, ah, it's everywhere. It's all over me. I washed my hands obsessively just because I thought they were dirty. Does that make it hard to have sex? I always wondered that if you have like a germ uh, thing. You, I'll, Okay, I don't know how your audience is, but I'll tell you the most fucked up sex story ever. So my my ex, right? She's very beautiful and she was cool before she kind of lost her head, right? But she was really, I don't even care. What do I care? I'll just tell the whole thing. So she was really into tying me up, right? Which is cool. Like what guy doesn't say have it your way, right? So I'm like, all right. So... I'm tied to the bed. Okay. Now what she has me do to her <laughs> is illegal in most places. Right? Like. Got it. Yeah. My, my tongue is in places <laughs> most people don't want to think about. Okay. I'm fine with it. Cause I'm a little nuts. Right. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. We're done. And she says, she goes, I go, can you grab me the water? And she goes, Yeah. And she drank out of my fucking water glass. And I'm like, oh, mm. couldn't take it. I could literally, I was like, oh, that's the most disgusting. You could literally thing. eat her ass. And yeah, I was eating her ass. Yeah, that's, I didn't want to say it, but thank you for telling me. I was tied to the bed eating her ass. And you couldn't and drink out of the same water. <laughs> she fucking grabs a water glass, drinks out of it, and thinks I'm going to drink it. I freaked out. I'm like, oh, dude, don't, what are you doing? So you would kiss her. Yeah, you kiss people. Totally. Isn't that interesting? I'm always fascinated by these kinds of things because it is weird where the lines get drawn, you know? I don't, but I think that's interesting too, but it makes sense in my head. Also, I think you should be happy that I reserved my joke about it's nuts when you were eating out her ass. But that's what was going on, man. I, I didn't know how to say it in a polite way. I don't even know how uh, to be polite, but you know, you're a female, so I didn't want you to go click, hit the button and go uh, fuck that guy. Yeah, it's so weird. Like people, I can't shake a hand. And this Howie Mandel's a fucking fraud. Let me tell you that right now. He bumps hands with people, right? That's yeah. oh, I'm such a germaphobe. I can't shake their hand. Think about people when they wipe their nose. What like part of their hand? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's their hand. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. And they try to bump my hand. I'm like, no, nah, dude, elbows. Look, even long before COVID came along or anything yeah. like that, I never understood no. the handshake deal. And when people try to shake my hand, I just sort of bow at them or just, oh, I won't do you it. know, I, I don't. Yeah. And I'm not a germaphobe. I just know mm. that I have zero control over wherever that hand mm-hmm. has been. And yeah. I don't, no, I don't want to, don't want none of that. <laughs> No. And so here's the thing. When you own marijuana shops, you know, you're the guy who owns a place and you're in a nice position. The beautiful part of that is everybody wants to be a friend because you're the owner. It's nice, right? I love that part of it. So you make lots of friends. It took a year and then everybody walked in. Yo, what's up? And they'd elbow me. 
because they knew I wouldn't shake their hand. Yeah. And I just tell them, sorry, I don't shake, man. And they'd be like, all right, cool. Like everybody's yeah. cool with it, but what a stupid thing. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm sure the Japanese and the Chinese think we're all crazy. And and probably the Indians do because they have so many people in their countries. And and you have to be that much more vigilant on that sort of stuff. I think that's why the bowing. I I think originally the handshake came from showing a person that you didn't have a weapon in your hand. That's where that originated. Yeah. 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 But like they got it. They always have it right. You know, they've been wearing masks when they get sick for years. Sure. And here, this they've got is my thousands big... of years on us. Perhan said he's going to move out to Santa Monica, maybe too. I hope that's, that's what he said to me on the phone the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I really have been looking though. Like literally I've been really looking closely, like pretty close to where it sounds like you live. Yeah. Cause you're not far from the third street promenade, right? No, I can walk down there. Yeah. See, yeah. there's somewhere around there and you like it over there. I love it. See, that's where I want to go. You come hang out and we can paint in my painting room until you get a, a paint space so we can do NFTs and shove them down Turhan's throat. <laughs> this is crazy. I'm in a whole new world. I did a thing on, I did a uh, an NFT. Well, no, I did an abstract on my, I just got this painting program and I bought a new little iPad and got like Procreate is what it's called. Yeah. And I did this little abstract, took like 20 minutes and I'm like, I don't have to wash brushes. Cause I hated washing brushes. Cause when you paint for a living, you use, I had a thousand brushes and you use all of them. And when they get dirty, you don't clean them. You just throw them in a bucket. <laughs> I had mold and mildew growing oh, in that God. bucket. I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hired a guy to clean my brushes. No kidding. That's it's how true, though. You have thousands of brushes and you will use every last every one. Of them. Every one. By the Crazy. time you're done with the painting, you're empty. Yep. Right. You're out in the same way. Yep. I hate cleaning brushes. Wait, are you, so an, the cool a, are thing, you a, an oil painter? Acrylic on canvas. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm acrylic. Yeah. And you're doing abs. See, I'm doing abstracts. That's what yeah. I do. I'll, I'll yeah. shoot you after this and everything. I'll send you my stuff. You can see it. I can't wait. And then we can talk to some dead people. We can hang out. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can be pests too, though, you know. Sure, sure. Do you ever have somebody show up when they didn't want them to? Sure, sure. Yeah. It's a whole other. Grandma. Never had my, you know what? My grandparents have never come by for a chat. My grandfather. Yeah. I can't get a hold of him, but my grandmother showed up more than often in my shower. Like I'm taking a shower and there she would be. She just wants to make sure you get under the, you know, you got to lift that flap up in there. (laughs) You're disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) I I can't believe what I'm hearing from you. I am so disappointed. (laughs) That was very good. I love that. That was so funny. That was so funny. So, so yes, we'll have to do that. We'll have to do some stuff, man. That'd be super fun. Tell people how they can find you in general out in the world. Can't. At all. (laughs) No, dude, I'm serious. You can't. So I haven't painted professionally in a long, long time. And that was kind of before, um, you know, it was before the big, internet thing. I remember when I just finished paintings, like, give me your website. I'm like, I don't have a website. I don't do stupid internet stuff. You know, like I didn't think the internet would ever go. I, I really didn't. And so I don't, I don't, I don't know. You may find a Pat Dalton painting online, but I doubt it, you know? So I never put them online. I didn't, it was before that. And I wasn't good at keeping records in the first place. I'd paint them and get them out, paint them and get them out. I had a, such a demand. I, I didn't have time to photograph the paintings. I just didn't. So, um, yeah, I don't know where you'd find anything. I don't have any social media. 
I got to have an ex, so I don't have any social media. You could go to my Durango Rec Room weed shop page. Bingo. Yeah, talk about the, tell them how to find that stuff. So Durango Rec Room is my weed, is my main weed shop. I own um, that and uh, I own also a CBD called CBD Superstore. Um, but I also own pieces of other people's weed businesses I've invested and so the Drango Rec Room is my main store. That's my that's my jam. So check it out. It's cool. No, it's not true. It's not cool. Why am I saying that? It's not cool. We don't post anything but specials every day. Well, that's so cool. Specials we just advertise cool. at people. It's like throwing stuff at them all day. Are you wanting to get completely out of the business? I, I'm okay. Don't tell anybody. But yeah, I, I'm in contracts for a sale right now. Oh, you are. Yeah. 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 Cool. And. Yeah. And you know, it's been, it's, I've done it. It's great. Weed's fantastic, but it's over. Yeah. Did you do a lot of LSD as a kid? Nope. Never. Okay. No, I and did. I did a lot, but you know, yeah. I always wonder if that helps. It's evident. Sort of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see that. No, yeah. I can't really. <laughs> Never psychedelics. I'm scared of them. Oh, I loved them. See, people do, but I'm afraid if I take it, I'm not gonna. Like, yeah, I, well, I, I get weed. that. Yeah, I don't, oh, okay. I don't smoke. Yeah, everyone's like, dude, you got 400 pounds in your shop, and I'm like, I know, but I don't smoke. It's probably why you're don't. good. It's probably why you're a good businessman, right? Because otherwise, you yeah. eat through your profits, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> Scarface, don't get high on your own supply. Um, but no, I, I don't smoke. I just live a life with my kid, and we do cool shit, and yeah. I run a weed shop. That's great. And a grow and some other stuff. And so I'm trying to just move away from all of it and go, that was a cool chapter of my life. What's next? Well, I haven't done LSD since I was 18, so I'm not doing that. Um, Plus, I feel like you can't, weed is one thing if it's being grown in shops and all that stuff, but I feel like you can't trust drugs anymore. No. When we were kids, (laughs) when we were kids, we could trust them. But now this shit's trying to kill you. It is. They got that. What is it? Fentanyl. 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 I I just. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw in the news in one in eight bags of cocaine in New York City have fentanyl in it. Yeah, that's bye-bye. See you later, alligator. So you know what I read? This is one of my passionate things that I am going to do. I'm going to grow mushrooms when it becomes legal. Yeah, I've done those only twice. Also before I was 18. See, and and for crazy people like us, they say they're really good. Like That's what I hear. Know that if you like microdose a little bit each day, you just feel super well and grounded and healthy and all that stuff. I drink a mushroom tea every morning. It's not psilocybin or anything, but I, I love it. I quit coffee and switch to this stuff. And uh, I mean, I drink coffee here and there, but I switch to this stuff. I drink it with matcha and this chaga yeah. tea. Freaking awesome. I love it. Is it? I love it. You have to I feel it like it, it makes my brain awake without yeah. the caffeine. Well, the matcha's got caffeine. But. Yeah. No, not, but it's a, it feels better than coffee. Yeah. You know? It's better on so, your stomach, I think. Yeah. And yeah. And so, you know, that's my next thing is, is like, I'm really into cultivating you. I sent you some pictures of the gigantic monster weed plants that I have. Those Did were huge. Those? Yeah. I'm going to put pictures out when Fucking I do um, giants. Yeah. I'll do a social media post on all the different places and I'll be able to put pictures of all that stuff, including your artwork with your permission. So people can see oh, please. what yeah, we were talking fine. about. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, that's my next cool thing is mushrooms, man. That's great. I have a, I went to a birthday party. This is so LA. I went to a birthday party uh, last, I guess it was two years ago now. I don't know. Whenever we were allowed to be public with people and it was an outdoor birthday party, uh, but they gave away party favors. And in the bag uh, was a mushroom chocolate bar, a psilocybin 
you know, psychedelic mushroom chocolate bar. It's still in my fridge. I haven't touched it. Cause it's one of those things where I'm like, well, I'm not just going to eat it and go about my day. I've got so much shit I'm trying to get done during the day. Right. I have to figure out when to run off yeah, when do you take tree. It? I mean, what do you, what do you do? You know? Yeah. When do you take, I don't have time. I don't have time. For I wish I had time for drugs. I just don't. Also, I feel like I can get to altered states without that in my, with, breath or thought or if that yeah. also is hard to explain probably not to the extent where i'm hallucinating maybe though it's good okay so play. can i tell you i just felt something weird coming from you yeah yeah you worry about the medical thing a lot about which medical thing i i okay um do you mind? Can I don't want to say anything. It's yeah, you can say. Business. I mean, the good news is I can always edit it out. <laughs> so okay, cool. yeah, just fuck this guy. You don't get to talk about that. <laughs> no, go um, ahead. I had a neighbor across the street, and he had is a heart he issue. I'm just kidding. He had a heart issue. Well, no, no, I got a feeling from him. He had a heart issue. Yeah, and he had a clicking thing put in his heart. Uh-huh. Like you could hear his heart beat from four feet away. A pacemaker, you mean, or? I don't know. Yeah. He had, um, he had Marfan syndrome and for some, me. Oh, he died. Not from Marfan. <laughs> he stepped out of a fucking truck and landed and killed himself. His, hit himself on a curb. Oh God. Yeah. Horrible. Right. Got himself all healthy. Everything was perfect in his life and slipped and fell out of a truck. He's a truck driver. You, you, you worry about that a lot. About the Marfan thing. Well, yeah. And you, yeah. And I was just, fuck, I'm, see, this is what happens though. Like all of a sudden we're talking and shit happens around me. And yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. I I don't have a, um, I don't have an aortic tear or anything like that, that a lot of Marf fans have. I have a little hole in my heart, but it's manageable. It's not a big deal. Um, but I think, sure. There, there are things like, Oh, what if, I don't know that I worry about it. It's interesting. It's funny. That's the one thing I love about this kind of thing is that the stuff that you've pushed down, it's probably not healthy that you've pushed it down. And yeah. somebody comes along and says, oh, you think about that. I'm like, well, I think about my own mortality, probably more than normal people do right. maybe. Right. But, you know, I just kind of have this weird feeling that it sticks around. Interesting. And you ought to just forget about it and move on. Yeah, I could see that. I can see that about myself. I, I got to tell you, honestly, I see you being pretty fucking healthy. I think I am pretty healthy. Yeah. 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 It's not, I don't know, man. It's like, that's what I'm saying. It's not really part of, did you get it? You must've got it completely fixed. Cause I see nothing in, and I do medical shit a lot. Like, like if somebody's like, how's the knee? And they're like, what? How the fuck did you know about my knee? Yeah. You know, like I just say shit like that. So I think I take really good care of myself for the most part. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think that the things that would take out a Marfan, I don't ha- like, I don't have the aortic tear, so, nice. which is good. That's the thing that really kills us. Right. Is it, is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know that much about it. Yeah. 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 It's a connective tissue disorder. Okay. So like I grew eight and a half inches in three months when I was 14. Oh my God. That's not possible. It is. And it was Holy super, shit. super duper, duper painful. They thought I had giantism. Yeah. They had really? to take it. Yeah, and they had to take because I grow. Most people grow an inch a year, maybe. Wow. Yeah, and they. I have like little scars on my legs from all the different plots of plot points. But um, man, you yeah, go. it was super painful, and uh, they thought I had giantism, so they they took me to get X-rayed because they looked to see that the plates are closing. You know, right. and they're like, "Nope, she's pretty much done." I'm very tall. Are you? How tall are you? 
Uh, I'm a little bit under six one. I'm like six foot. Oh, know. cool. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah, I used to train um, professional female volley- uh, volleyball players. Yeah. And um, God, they're fucking giant. And they'd come to you and they're 16 and they're in your like, how did you get that big when you're a child? Like, yeah. In 16 years, you grew that big. Holy shit. I was six foot at 14. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I was always hungry. Always. Wow. That sounds like me. Yeah. So, but whatever, <laughs> I, you know, you just adjust. I just, I never, there are certain things that I don't do maybe, but for the most part, like I run and, you know, I eat really healthy because I'm, I'm celiac. So I don't eat gluten-y like wheat, barley, or rye. This is very right. boring in my medical history for everyone to hear, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it does create a, a much more healthier yeah. feel. That is cool. to say, I will do mushrooms. I just don't have the time. When am I going to do it? I don't either. I don't either. What if something goes wrong? Then what do you do for the rest of the day? Right. You know, like if you get, if you start tripping, you're just going to be like, oh man, my day's over. Well, I do have a, I do have a belief that when you do psychedelic drugs, no matter what, there should always be somebody in the room or in the experience or on the trip or whatever with you that isn't taking the psychedelic, right. that, that what yeah. I call a mama. And yeah. that's what we used to call them in high school. And oh, they cool. would- they would be the ones who've taken the drugs so they know what it's like, but that can kind of, if you start flipping out, I've never had a bad trip though. Knock on wood. Wow. See, that's cool. I think, I think it's just your body chemistry. Yeah. Cause I know that if I took a psychedelic, I would freak out. But you would take mushrooms. That's a psychedelic. I haven't taken them. But you want I, to. I want to. Yeah. But as yeah. a microdose. Now I see, I call my friend Josh, right? This guy is he lives in this little shitty, this, Durango's beautiful, sorry, um, in this little <laughs> tiny town. And he's a, he is one of the best tattoo artists I've ever seen in my life. His work is brilliant. And he lives in this little town. I'm like, dude, you're, you get out of here. You can do so much more, you know? He doesn't want to. So he has some troubles with anxiety. Like he's gone down twice in Walmart and had to go to the hospital. Oh, wow. He's the sweetest guy ever. He doesn't have a piece of his body and his face and everything that's not tattooed. He's like, dude, you're an artist. I want you to tattoo me. I have a space down by my knee. So I'm like, I'm not going to tattoo. I don't know nothing about. Anyway, I said, hey, man, like, you know, I heard you, you know, work with these mushrooms. He's like, yeah. He goes, all right, well, fuck, dude, come on over. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just asking. I'm just curious. I'm asking. He goes, fuck that. Come over. We'll get in the hot tub and we'll do mushrooms. Like, oh my God, I'll die if I do that. Like, <laughs> I will die. Well, if you have it, I will tell you this. If you have that mindset, I understand the microdosing and it helps a lot of people, especially with depression and all I've that heard, yeah. All that research, which is fantastic. Yeah. But if you, it is much about how you go into the practice. It's just like shamans would tell you, you know, whatever it is you're going in with intention that you're holding, that's the experience you will have. So if you go in with this intention of like, oh, I'm going to do work and grow and all that, whatever that means, that's, that's going to be. But if you go in saying, oh, fuck, I'm going to be miserable and see 10 headed snakes. Well, mm, you might because you just told your brain that that's your experience. Yeah, no, that's me. And I can't stop it. Like I said, when you're a germaphobe, dude, like yeah. your brain takes off without you're a passenger. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You just don't have any control of it whatsoever. I get it. Is your house super duper clean? No. It's actually kind of messy. Yeah. Isn't yeah, it? Again, it's so though. interesting. It's like the, the where it falls into its place. It's so cool. I know. You know it's just other people's weirdness gets on me. You know? 
Yeah, I get that. Just they're germs, dude. I got a messy kitchen. That doesn't bother me a bit. Yeah. But yeah, so if it's if like I, in your realm, you can handle it because you're in control of that. Yeah. 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 It's totally cool. But now nah, other people, man, I just like, oh, dude, you, you like, I've yelled at people at the store for getting too close to me. Do you think went, that that stems from the childhood of feeling out of control with your dad and not really? Probably. Having, yeah. Yeah. Did you see Midnight Mass that that was on Netflix a little while uh, ago? Uh, no. Oh, it's great. Do you like horror? It's a it's a wonderful take on a on a horror trope. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers. Okay, I, thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun, but there's a particular mode that people get into in that show. And I feel like that mode, the things that they see and how they experience the world around them is must be what microdosing LSD or mushrooms is like. Wow. I, I just, how I, so I feel like if you've never seen Duncan Trussell's animated show on Netflix, it's called the midnight gospel highly recommend it. Cool. Do you have Netflix? I do. Yeah. Get, get into that. It's, uh, it's so good. Okay. And if I forget, I'll text you later, but Midnight Mass, Midnight Gospel. Yeah. The Midnight Shows. One is real people bloop, 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 and the other is uh, animated people. Bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> I don't know. Did they make that noise? I didn't know that. No. <laughs> so weird. No. I, didn't, I never knew that. <laughs> Why didn't I know? Patrick, thank, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for listening, me. everybody. Bye. <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.